Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I appreciate you so much taking out time of your busy schedule and spending it with me today. And we come to episode eight in season four of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Broad Network. Today we are studying two psalms, but they are uniquely connected together. And those are Psalms 32 and 51. This is going to be a unique episode today. I want to kind of walk through this with you with the background context of what took on, what happened in David's life. And I hope that that will be a useful way to do this, a helpful tool for you and your personal study. But this is actually a sermon that I preached uh, several, several months ago, maybe been a year or two ago, entitled Peace Through Forgiveness. And I studied this and wanted to preach this because I've talked to so many people, whether it's been you know here in the office or maybe just over the phone or whatever, and, and talking to people about you know their salvation. And I hear things all the time like, "Well, I don't really know if I'm saved. Uh, I'm not really sure. I guess I'll just find out, you know, on the day of judgment." Which is very sad to think that that's a mentality. And others have said to me, I've just done so many wrong things in my life, and I've done so much bad that there's no way God can forgive me. So there's no point. I might as well just live it up. Again, that's not a good mentality, but it's one that's pretty common. And you may be listening today thinking, you know, that's kind of been my mentality. God God won't forgive me. I've done too many things that are wrong or You know, I've been away from God for too long, and so there's just kind of no hope. But with that, there's no peace. Because when you lay your head down at night, you need to know where your standing is with God. Because the fact of the matter is, you may not wake up to see another day. And I may not wake up to see another day either. And so we need to have assurance, and we need to have that kind of peace that God wants us to have. The peace which passes understanding that can keep our hearts and minds through Christ, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And so again, the episode today is entitled Peace Through Forgiveness as we study both Psalm 32 and 51. There is no greater misery for one who is a true believer in God to go through life with a guilty conscience wondering if he or she has been forgiven. On the flip side, there's no greater joy than to have that burden lifted and to experience the peace that comes from being right with God. And there's no greater example of this process than that of David. And so again, the two Psalms we want to connect are Psalms 32 and 51, but we actually want to begin in the background text of 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you there, and we're going to spend time in these four chapters specifically, 2 Samuel 11 and 12, Psalm 32, Psalm 51. And I don't know about you, but I am a huge movie lover. And I love seeing how scenes unfold and how they connect. Uh, For example, my son Jackson and I just finished watching the Rocky saga. (laughs) And every time they're on, I, I, I just have to watch it. I'm so engrossed by that because I've watched them all my life and and I, I see the scenes and how they connect to later movies and later scenes. And so we're going to walk through this study today as if we're walking through scenes in a movie. And ultimately, keeping in mind the storm that David is is facing and how he's able to weather it in hopes that it can help us as well. 
So let's think about scene one. Scene one in this script, if you will, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And what we have in this text are three big mistakes that David makes. The first mistake is found in verse 1. David remained at Jerusalem. So this was the time when kings went out to battle, but David stayed put. If David would have been where he should have been, the rest of this chapter wouldn't have even existed. He would not have gone out and done the things that he had done if he would have been where he was supposed to be. There's a great lesson in that for us, isn't it? Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. But it's the first mistake. He remained at Jerusalem. The second mistake, verses 2 through 4 of chapter 11, is him giving in to temptation. It's important to note that being tempted is not the same as sinning because Jesus was tempted and yet he never sinned, Matthew chapter 4. So the point is, when you are tempted and you give in to the temptation, that's when the sin occurs. 1 John two fifteen through 17 the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. When you give in to one or, or perhaps all three of those areas, sin takes place. James 1, 13 through 15. The third mistake that David made was devising and plotting the murder of Uriah the Hittite. And so David was not where he was supposed to be. He saw what he shouldn't have seen. He acted on what he saw. He gave in and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so her husband Uriah, who's on the front lines battling where he's supposed to be, now David devises a plan that's going to put him on the front lines wherein he will be killed. So these are three main mistakes that David made. And notice the nature of sin. It all begins with what you see, that temptation but then once you act on it, look at the consequences. Sin will take you where you don't want to go and will keep you there longer than you want to stay. So what is the conclusion here in scene one? It's this. Verse 27, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Ultimately, David sinned against God. Yes, he sinned against his own body. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. But ultimately, he sinned against God. Reminds us of Joseph when he fled from Potiphar's wife. He said, how can I do this and sin against God? Well, he would have been sinning against himself and Potiphar and, and Potiphar's wife, of course. But Joseph understood this is sinning against God. And David comes to this understanding as well. So that closes out scene one in chapter 11. But now let's move on to scene two in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Specifically the first 15 verses. First, notice with me the truth that is revealed. The truth that is revealed, verses 1 through 12. Here, Nathan the prophet comes, and we all need a Nathan in our lives. Somebody that's going to come and just tell us the truth, because we need to hear it. It's the truth that sets you free, John eight thirty two. Sometimes we don't want to hear it, but it's truth nonetheless. So Nathan the prophet comes to him, and he gives him this illustration, remember, of the lamb, and then the man who came and... and uh, was was so upset, David was so upset by this illustration that he was enraged about it. And then Nathan looks at him and says, you are the man. So the truth is revealed that David is the one who took something very precious that belonged to someone else. And that, of course, was the wife of Uriah. Here we think about the truth that is revealed. You are the man. But second, think about the truth realized 
the first part of verse 13, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. Here is the first step for David in the right direction. We talk about the mistakes that he made. We talk about the sins. But here's where he starts to make things right. He acknowledges and recognizes, I have sinned against the Lord. When he heard this truth from Nathan, he didn't you know, blame anybody else. He didn't point fingers. He didn't get mad at Nathan. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. But in that same context, verses 13 and 15, through 15, we have the truth received. The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. When you finish out that context, you remember that David and Bathsheba would have a child together, but that child would die. And David is able to rise up and to, to you know, cleanse himself and get ready and go in to uh, go down and get something to eat and, and be ready to worship God. And so the, the people are kind of puzzled by that. And he said, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. There was this realization that David had lost something great, but David also knew that he put himself in this very difficult situation because of his sin. And so David is going through a horrible, horrible storm that a lot of people go through. It's when you're guilty of sin and you know you've done what's wrong and then you're starting to pay the consequences. Where do you go from there? How can you possibly find peace after giving in to sin? And that brings us to scene three. Here we come to Psalm 51. I want you to notice when we think about this psalm, the penitent plea, the penitent plea of David. Without reading this entire text, and I certainly, certainly encourage you, if you haven't, to read through Psalm 51 and to do it often. It's a prayer of repentance, and it's so deep and it's so rich. But for our purposes here, I want to just kind of summarize what is taking place with some key words. David is praying for several things, and by using these words, it kind of outlines this prayer. David prays for mercy, forgiveness, cleansing, restoration, a clean heart, wisdom, and the joy of his salvation to be restored. That summarizes Psalm 51. David says, I acknowledge my sin. It is ever before me. I have sinned against you, and you're the only one that can cleanse me. You're the only one that can make this right. I come to you with a penitent heart. I come to you acknowledging and recognizing my sin. So please, wash me. Cleanse me. Purge me. Help me to get back on track. It's a beautiful psalm, and it's one of the many reasons why we know that David was a man after God's own heart. This psalm, in and of itself, is one of the reasons why we can make that statement. Of course, it's, it's found in the Scriptures, Acts 13, but how do we know that David was a man after God's own heart? Was, it, was he sinlessly perfect? No. We just read about what he did. But look at how he handled the situation. Look at how he was able to weather the storm. And it was by coming to God through prayer. And that is scene three. There are other passages that we consider, such as Acts 8, 22. You remember Simon the sorcerer obeyed the gospel. He was a Christian. But then he was in danger of falling away and losing his soul. And so they told him, Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, 
And perhaps the heart, thought of your heart may be forgiven you. There's the antidote. There's the answer. You meet the conditions that God has set forth, and you can be forgiven. You can be cleansed. God stands ready to forgive when we are ready to meet the conditions. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And so you acknowledge your mistake, you acknowledge your sin to God, you confess that to Him, you repent of that, which means you change your mind, you change your life. You pray for forgiveness. And for us as Christians, we have that wonderful privilege that when we confess our faults, confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7-9. If you're listening to this today and you're not a Christian, then you don't have that blessing. You must get into Christ first. You must die to sin, repent of sin, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 2, 38, 22, 16. When you come out of that watery grave, you walk as a brand new creature. All your past sins are gone, washed away. But from that moment forward, even though you strive to do what's right and live faithful, there are going to be times when you mess up because you're a human being just like I am. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. So when we do, what do we do? We handle it God's way through repentance, through prayer, through confession. That's how we can weather the storm when we're striving to find peace in the midst of a guilty conscience, a guilty past, knowing that we've messed up and done wrong. Handle it God's way, and you can find what you need to weather the storm. And so Psalm 51 is the penitent plea. But now let's move on to scene 4. And here we come to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is the powerful pardon. So Psalm 51 is the penitent plea. Psalm 32 is the powerful pardon. David speaks of his sin in the past tense, meaning he has been forgiven. And if we don't miss the, if we don't study it and look at it, we might miss the connection, but think of the language here based on what we just read in Psalm 51. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. How was David able to weather the storm? How was he able to find peace? Because he took it to God, and God forgave him. I know that's very simple, but that not that the beautiful aspect of it? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price that we can never pay. And so we are to respond to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news, by dying to sin, being buried with him in that watery grave, and rising to walk in newness of life to live for him. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5.17. There's powerful pardon in the blood of Jesus. So notice David says his sin had been forgiven and covered. And while he remembers the pain associated with the sin, and he recounts the process of approaching God, he can rejoice knowing that his sins have been forgiven. If you look at verses 10 and 11 of Psalm 32, it says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, 
mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You see, David had gone through so much. He, he had done a lot of this to himself. The sin with Bathsheba, the sin against Uriah, hear, having to hear the truth from Nathan, losing a child. I mean, you think of all the storms that David was facing. So where else could he go but to the Lord? And by turning to God, he could find the peace that he needed. He could find the comfort and the strength to keep moving forward to God's glory. And so we've looked at four scenes walking through what David did. Now let's look at the full picture. David sinned greatly against God, 2 Samuel 11. David heard and accepted the consequences, 2 Samuel 12. David pleaded for forgiveness with a penitent heart, Psalm 51. God heard his prayer and granted him complete forgiveness, assurance, and peace, Psalm 32. So as we bring this episode to a close, let me ask you who are listening today, what about you? What about you? If you've been weathering the storm of guilt and pain and a guilty conscience and a life of sin, and you've been battling that and it's just bringing you down, what can you do? We learn from our study today, when we combine all of it together, that misery, doubt, and guilt can be turned into relief, assurance, and joy. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning there in verse 1, Paul is writing to Christians, and he says, You were dead in trespasses and sins. This is who you were before Christ. This is who you were. You were dead in sins. And you know what? Paul was too, wasn't he? Saul of Tarsus, who was guilty of persecuting the church, killing Christians, he knew that pain. But he also knew the great forgiveness that God offers. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, and great love with which he loved us, by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. And so even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, we were dead, we were done for. Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8 and 9. And so all the misery and doubt and guilt that you carry around as a as if it's you're in the midst of that storm all the time, you can get out of that. You can find peace and you can find comfort only through Christ. We find in Psalm 86 and verse 5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Micah seven nineteen. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews eight twelve. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. If you come to God, with a penitent heart like David did, and you're willing to submit to him, you acknowledge your wrong, you acknowledge your sin before him, you meet his conditions with a pure, genuine, penitent heart, then you will be forgiven, and you will have the peace that you need to weather the storm. If you're listening today and you've never obeyed the gospel, let me just lovingly say that you can't find peace outside of Christ.
All spiritual blessings are found in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. Therefore, you've got to get into Him by means of obedience to the gospel, Galatians 3.27. Hearing and believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of sins, confessing His deity with the mouth, and being immersed, being baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away. You can do that. You can respond to the gospel in that way, and you can have that peace which passes understanding. But it may be today that as you listen to this, you are a Christian. You've obeyed the gospel. You come in contact with the soul-cleansing blood of a lamb, but you've gone back into a life of sin. Maybe like David, you've gone into something and you've gotten deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And now you're beating yourself up. And now you're worried. And now every night when you lay down, you're wondering, if Jesus comes back tonight, will I be okay? Will I be saved? Dear friend, I hope this episode will help you, help encourage you that if there's anything amiss in your life, if your heart's not right with God, that you'll make it right. And that you'll take what we've studied today from 2 Samuel 11 and 12, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, and find that peace, find that assurance that God wants you to have. Submit to Him, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up, James 4.10. I hope and pray that this study has been helpful for you. And I hope and pray that Psalms 32 and 51, now that we've studied them in this light, will help us to weather the storm. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, And we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use. And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.